take your Bibles this morning, if you have them, 2 Corinthians. This chapter is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You'll notice in verse 3, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4, for our weapons of warfare are not carnal. We have the Spirit of God in our heart once we trust Christ as Savior. So we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. That's a weapon that the world doesn't have. Actually, God living in us. Now, you go over to verse 17 and verse 12 first. For we dare not make ourselves of the number. We, we better not get into this crowd or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. There's the word commend. I'm going to use it in a minute. But they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So what he's saying is, don't measure yourself by somebody else and say, well, I'm good as they are. That's what he's saying. Okay, now, in verse 17, he says, but let him that glorieth, let him that praiseth himself or encourages himself, and notice he says, let him glory in the Lord. Rather than saying, well, I'm a pretty good person, let's just turn it over and say, Lord, you're wonderful. Now, then in verse 18, and I really want to speak to you about one word this morning. It's the word command. Remember up in verse 12, he said, they commending themselves by themselves are not wise. Well, look in verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself recommends himself, does things himself, is approved by God, but whom the Lord commended. Now, let me illustrate this word for you. In the Greek text, the word is the word uh, soon, which is together, and it's dao is the word to stand. So, let me illustrate the point. Brother Joseph, would you come up here for a minute and help me, please, sir? Uh, the last time I did this, somebody said, I'm not going to sit in the front anymore, so they moved toward the back. So, uh, uh, Joseph knows better than that, okay? And I'm going to really go out of the stretch today. And Brother Joseph's been with us a long time. I love Brother Joseph. He can take this. Okay, let's pretend that he is God. I didn't say a word. I just, okay, let's pretend that he is God. Okay, now watch this. This word, sunistao, is this. I'm going to commend myself. So I'm going to go over and stand by God. That's not this word. This word is, when I'm commended, God comes and stands by me. Please? Okay. <laughs> so get the meaning. You and I don't get to choose, I like my life, so I'm going to go stand by God. God is holy. He's righteous. He's perfect. He chooses whom he stands beside. And so, thank you, Joseph. So the idea this morning is let's look at some people in the Scriptures that God chose to stand beside and those he didn't. And maybe you and I can learn some things about the way we ought to live. And as I look, I notice three different names, if I could. Uh, let me give you one. Uh, you can't be a pretender like Judas and go to heaven like the Philippian jailer. I want you to see the difference. Jews, Judas, man, he walked with Jesus every place he went. And the Bible says 
He had a duty among the disciples and the apostles. He was one of the 12. Now, I believe God picked him just to let us know that we can all be pretenders, but we won't go to heaven. This pretender, Judas, name for me some things about Judas, if you can help me. Help me with the, with the message this morning. Name for me one thing. What was he this morning? Anybody remember? What was he for the uh, group of the, the, the 12 disciples? What was he? Yes, sir, Morgan? He was the treasurer. You can be a treasurer of a church and not go to heaven. Pretender. You have to understand, he did something else with Jesus. He walked with Jesus for years. He would watch him heal people. He would bow for prayer for people. He was a pretender. And maybe today, you're a pretender. I was a pretender for a while as a teenage boy. How many of you are 14 years and younger? Raise your hand. 14 years and younger. Everybody in here, 14 years or younger. Okay. I was saved at 14. I didn't think about being a pretender, but I'd never, ever, I, I came to church regularly. I was in Sunday school. People knew me. I didn't lie. I mean, I didn't cheat. I mean, when I say that, it wasn't my habit. Uh, I was a normal, a normal teenage boy, but I tried to do right things, tried to honor my parents, but I was a pretender. I didn't think about it like that, but I don't think Judas did either. Until today, he sold Jesus out. He traded Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was a pretender. And pretenders don't do right in the end. There are times whenever, oh, I'll try to do what's right. I go to church, and I meet pretenders all the time. There were all kinds of pretenders helped us build this building. But I couldn't get them to see that you can't be a pretender and get to heaven. So now let's go back and, and notice this, uh, the Philippian jailer. He was a jailer. He didn't go to church. He even imprisoned and followed directions to put Paul and Silas, two of the greatest Christians to ever live, in the deepest part of the jungle, of the, of the uh, dungeon, and, and then put their, their wrists in stocks and their feet in stocks. And so they sat in the deepest part of the jungle like this during the night. And he sat outside their room watching them. Well, surely that guy's not going to heaven. But then all of a sudden he heard them start to sing. I don't know what song they sang. Oh, how I love Jesus. I don't know. But it touched his heart. And he was sitting there and, and thinking about it. And, and how is it that they can sing and yet their backs are bloodied and they're in stocks and I'm out here free and they're not? How can they sing? And then he dozed off to sleep. Many people that are pretenders try to avoid thinking about spiritual things that much. So they go to church and they don't listen very much. They're there for the show, and not necessarily to show everybody else, but make their conscience feel better. I went to church. 
as a young boy. And I wanted to go, uh, but I didn't feel like I was doing a show. But in reality, I was a pretender. I wasn't real. And then about midnight, the jail begins to shake. And all the doors fly open. And the jailer looks out, and he sees all the doors. As he wakes up, he sees all the doors open. He takes out his sword, and he begins to fall on it to take his own life. Because in Rome, there was a rule. If you lost your prisoner, your life went in its place. And so rather than going through the, humi- the, uh, the, the humility and the embarrassment and the shame that went with losing your prisoner and all of the imprisonment and the eventual death, you just do it quickly and be done with it. He started to fall on that sword, and Paul and Silas stepped out and said, Hey, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And the next thing that he does changed him from being a pretender to go to heaven. He goes in, and he falls down on his knees, and he says, What must I do to be saved, to go to heaven? And Paul and Silas said, Well, you've got to put your faith and trust in Christ. And he said, I will. And that night, he was saved, and so was his family. And so from then on, his life was different. He was no longer a pretender. Now, I know there are a lot of people that say, well, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. You need to tithe. Uh, you need to give money to the church. You need to go to church. You need to uh, have a copy of the Scriptures and read it every once in a while. You need to not do this, 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 and this. And then there's a balance, and maybe you'll get to heaven. I just have one question. Then why did Jesus have to die? He died to pay for all of our sins that we couldn't pay for. And we've got nothing that he wants except, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That's what the Philippian jailer gave to Jesus Christ. He gave him his heart, asked for forgiveness, and that day he was saved and on his way to heaven. By the way, the thief on the cross did the same thing. By the way, the, uh, uh, the uh, eunuch did the same thing. By the way, uh, you'll notice that in Acts chapter 8, uh, there was a, a great man from, uh, that, that traveled, and, and he was a soldier, and he went to Jerusalem and didn't find the answer, and he was reading Scripture. When Philip went up to him and said, I understand what you're reading, he said, no. How can unless somebody shows me? And he told him of Christ. And he says, could I be saved now? He said, yes. Bowed his head, asked the Lord to come in his heart. And that day, the Bible says he was born again. First time born physically, June 8, 1965, 1999, 1925. Uh, hey, maybe uh, we've got some folks in our church that are 90 years old. Almost. And so here it is, time for you and I to say, I was born this day and saved this day. Everybody in this room has got to have that second birth in order not to be a pretender, in order to go to heaven. Every one of us. Today, are you a pretender or do you know you're on your way to heaven? It's a choice. Philippian jailer or Judas? Oh, maybe you and I don't sell Jesus out, but in reality, if we never trust him, We're sort of selling him out because he died for us. And we don't acknowledge it or accept him. 
So remember, it's not whom goes over and stands beside God. It's whom he steps over to us and says, this is my child. This is mine. I love him. The Bible says in John chapter 1, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So today you can be a son and daughter of God and have it all settled. And so I look at this passage and I say, I want the Lord to stand by me in salvation. But notice the second thing, not only to be a pretender, but you can't be preeminent like Saul. You can't be first and most important and be like Joseph and have his rewards, have his blessings. You remember, let me take just a minute and take you these two. Uh, uh, King Saul and Joseph both started out exactly the same way. They were nobodies. Uh, Saul was, uh, when he was first noticed, was hiding uh, behind uh, some, some, uh, uh, some bales of hay and, and things like that that they were looking for him for. He was hiding himself. And then Joseph, well, he's in prison. Uh, they're, they're nobodies. And yet the Lord says, I want to use you, Saul. I want to use you, Joseph. For there's something fundamentally different in their hearts. One wanted to be preeminent, and one, one wanted him to be preeminent first. So Saul becomes king, handles everything very well. And then one day, a young boy <clears throat> comes into camp. As they hear Goliath screaming and yelling, somebody come fight me. He's nine feet plus tall, covered in armor, got an armor bearer that holds his shield. He's got a spear like a weaver's beam, about two inches in diameter, and he can throw it accurately, and he's looking for someone from Israel to come and fight him. We know that as through history and archaeological findings, there was wars between Israel and the Philistines, and so they happened to be in the Valley of Gath, and he would come out and say, somebody come fight me. And all the Israelites would run to their tents and shut their tent flaps and say, somebody else needs to go. And now, Saul is king. He should have gone. But a young man named David, 17 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old, with faith that God could use him to do anything, says, I'll go and fight him. And the king was so afraid and so were the people that they would have sent a third grader down there to fight Goliath because they didn't want to go. Well, here's a teenage boy that convinces Saul, hey, the Lord has used me before and I think the Lord will use me now. I'll beat him. I'll defeat him because the Lord will help me. He wasn't preeminent. He wanted the Lord to get the credit. And so you can't be in our church and sing in the choir and say, I want people to notice my voice and have the blessings of Joseph. Uh, you can't in your family say, look, I, I want to be noticed the most and have God bless you and your family like Joseph. You see, the way to God is not up, it's down. It's if you humble yourself. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 75. I want you to see this verse, Psalm 75, and notice with me if you would. Psalm 75. It's in the Old Testament, just before Proverbs. 
Notice Psalm 75. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 5. And take note of this. It may be a good verse for you to memorize. Verse 5. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. Now watch this. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. In other words, he says, don't take your trumpet and blow it so everybody notices. Wow, look what he can do. Don't lift yourself up, but lift him up. Don't you be preeminent. Make him preeminent. And so everybody in this room, uh, basically what we're talking about is don't be lifted up with pride. Humble yourself before the Lord. And say, Lord, I'd like to be used by you. I want to do something for you, but Lord, I I want you to do it through me. I don't want to get the credit. Humility is gone in our society. There's no humility now. Have you ever seen a guy? uh, Have you ever seen a guy that football is fixing to start, and you see a wide receiver that goes out and and he and he's fast and he and he got his speed from where? From God. And he's running out, all of a sudden the quarterback throws the ball, and he catches the ball and goes to the end zone, and, and there's 10 guys on the ground behind him that block for him, that passed, and he gets there and he starts doing this, you know, hey man, look at me, you know, look, look what I have done. He's trying to get everybody's attention, look at him. Oh, what about the quarterback that's looking out his ear hole because he just got plastered, and the lineman that their fingers are all twisted because they were blocking for him, wouldn't they let anybody get to him? And all of a sudden he's up there taking all the credit. Our society is not built on humility. It's built on you be somebody and make yourself somebody. The only problem with that is Saul said it was in his heart. I'm going to be somebody. I'm the king. And this young boy wins the victory and beats Goliath. And the ladies started singing a song in the victory parade. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And anytime you hear someone else praised and it bothers you, you got it, pride. Because a Christian that wants everybody else to be noticed and leaves his ability to be noticed to the Lord is what God's looking for. I'll bless that person. Folks, blessings can be man-made, but they don't last. Only the blessing of God to us lasts. It gives fulfillment. It gives joy. It gives satisfaction. And you can't buy it. It's a gift from God. That's the reason the Bible says in Psalm 75, for promotion doesn't come from this place or that place. It comes from the Lord himself. He judges and puts down one and up another. He sees your heart. And there are so many Christians that want to be preeminent. They want to be noticed. They want to be somebody. They want to be like the world. And so they do things to be noticed by the world. They might even, you know, say things they shouldn't say whenever they're with other people just so that they sort of fit in. They might uh, think things they shouldn't think when they're around other people just so that they can feel like I'm a part of that. I I, I want to be included. Uh, The Christian that says, look, I just want you Come stand by me. I want God to approve me. Is that what you want? 
for him to approve you or you to be approved by man. Preeminent. Joseph started out in prison. Well, he actually started out as a favorite son, and his brothers sold him into servitude. He became Potiphar's servant, but he refused to say, I'm not going to honor the Lord with what he's given to me. I'm going to do my best. So he was the best servant Potiphar had. And then Potiphar's wife looked at him and, and wanted him for her immorally, and he refused, and she had him put in prison. Did you know the funny thing about that is there's no place in Scripture that ever says he was bitter toward her. He forgave her. You see, Joseph wasn't interested in preeminence, pride. She can't do that to me. Lord, I'm going to do what's right. Would you stand by me? Every Christian in this room wants God to stand by you. And it's not you're approved by yourself. It's God approves you. Remember that today. You want God to approve you. When you stand before him in heaven, you want him to approve you. You want him to stand beside you. You want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not what you got all these things. You're going to take them and show him how good you are or were. Don't let preeminence, or another word, pride, ruin your heart. And steal your blessings, because they will. Joseph, in the end, was elevated to prime minister of Egypt. And the king, Pharaoh, didn't know one thing about what was going on. Joseph ran the country. And he was fair and good. And he let the Lord be the one to lift him up. Now, on the other hand, Saul... The Lord, if you read it in 1 Samuel, take your Bible if you would, 1 Samuel chapter 15, I want you to see it, 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 15, I want you to see this, you'll see what preeminence of the heart gets you, 1 Samuel 15, notice with me if you would, I'm trying to take my time to get it, about the time I get it, I'll delay a little bit longer, let you get it, 1 Samuel 15, Notice, if you would, in verse 17. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 17. Listen to this. And Samuel said in the place of the Lord, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made to be the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. When you were little in your own sight, but now that you're not, I'm finished with using you. Today, remember this. It's not, if we went over and we're going to stand by the Lord, it's the Lord stands by us. Not he that commendeth himself is approved of the Lord, but whom the Lord commendeth. Today, is the Lord standing by you? Or is there some of this preeminence in your heart? I, I, I don't think it's fair. People don't notice what I've done. People don't notice me at work. Do the right thing, honor the Lord, and let the Lord lift you up. That is the plan of God. And then notice, this last one, we have the pretender, we have the preeminent one, and then we have the prodigal. You can be the prodigal. 
Now, you'll notice he was always the father's son, but one day looked at the father and he says, hey, give me what's mine. But you didn't earn any of this. The father earned it, and he's given it to you. Yeah, but that's what I want. And he takes it, and he wastes it and his life. Maybe you're here today, and you've wasted much of your life. You're only 30 years old or 25 years old or 40 years old, but you really have very little to show for doing right. You're sort of like the prodigal. You've drifted away from the Lord. Now, that would be some of us a little way, some of us a long way. Well, this prodigal in Luke 15 drifted a long way from the Lord. And the Bible says he got friends because of his money, and he wasted his living with riotous living. He wasted his money with riotous living, his father's money. And when it was all gone, he was in a pig pen, and he came to himself. He realized he was no longer preeminent. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry. And God began to lift him back up. Now, you can't live like the prodigal and have the blessings of the apostle Paul. You see, Paul lived like the prodigal in many ways. He was killing Christians. The day he was uh, approached by God, he would had letters in his pocket to go kill more Christians. And when I say that, he would throw them to the lions. He would take the moms and dads out of a home, leave the children there, and not regret it a bit and have them torn apart by wild horses, tie them to two horses and whip them in opposite directions. He was an evil man, but he thought he was standing by God when in reality he was way away. And maybe you're here today and there's some things in your life and you say, I'm a prodigal. One day I was doing what's right, but not anymore. I've drifted away from the Lord. You know what? You can come back. The Lord always loves for his children to come back. And I think of the prodigal son. The father was looking over the hill, waiting for him to return. Every day he went to the top of that hill and looked, well, my son one of these days is going to come back. Well, my son one of these days is going to come back. And his eldest son said, Dad, what do you keep doing that for? You're torturing yourself. No, I love my son. One of these days he's coming back. And then he sees a figure coming over the hill, ragtag clothes, lost everything. When he got to his father, his father ran to him. He said, my son has returned. The Lord will come to you if you try to return to him. But I want you to notice this. The Bible says in that Luke 15, when the older brother came and said, Dad, you've been Good, too good to him. You've forgiven him. Anybody here ever been jealous of someone that's being forgiven for something they did that was wrong? That's why a lot of people don't forgive. It's because they don't want them to be forgiven. They want them to hurt. They did them wrong. They hurt them. So they want them to hurt. The Lord says, I want you to forgive no matter what. I want you to pray for your enemies. I want you to love those that disrespect you and Abuse you. I want you to love them. Pray for them. Look, the Christian life is about reaching everybody for Christ. But you got to turn around and say, Lord, I need you. And he'll come to you. The prodigal came to the father. And the father went to the prodigal. They met. And he said, 
Oh, son, I'm glad you're home. And he put on his ring, put him on a coat. But I want you to tell you one thing. He didn't get back any of his possessions or his treasures. They're all gone. So the prodigal that goes over here and has wasted years, I, I went to church when I was 15, 16, 12. But when I got to be 19 years old, I did my own thing. And maybe you're still doing your own thing. Well, while you are, there's no reward. You've got pages after pages after pages of your life that when you see the Lord, you're going to have nothing to give to him. This apostle Paul, he got saved and said, Lord, would you stand by me? The Lord stood by him and listened to his passage, what he says. Take your Bible and turn to this verse and we'll close. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 4. Notice with me, if you would, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said this, under inspiration. Now, I want you to understand this. This is not a prideful man speaking. This is a man that the Holy Spirit said, I want you to say this because I know you. I can guarantee you this was hard to write for Paul because he wasn't preeminent. He had been broken. He wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted the Lord to lift him up. Notice verse 7. I have fought a good fight. This is 2 Timothy 4, 7. I finished my course. I've done the plan of God for my life. You'll notice I've kept the faith. I didn't drift as the prodigal. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There are five crowns a Christian can win. He's won the crown of righteousness. Notice what it says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only to me only, but notice, to all, unto all them also that love is appearing. Everybody in this room can win that crown of righteousness. But you've got to say, Lord, would you stand by me? Lord, could I make my life in such a way that you're honored by it and you approve of what I do? Now, you can't just do whatever you want to do and let the Lord approve you. You've been working underneath the car. You got grease all over your hands, sweating, your shirt sweated through. You've got it underneath the car and you walk out and you see your wife coming up and uh, uh, she's got some groceries and, and uh, you know, she looks at you and you look at her and, and you say, honey, come here. I just want you to know I love you. Oh, don't get near me. Go get a shower first. You know what the Lord says? Don't come to me unless you're clean. You can't be a prodigal. Keep your sin and come to me. You got to forsake your sin and come to me. You know, I, I know some kids in high school that would not give up their sin. And they were never blessed. It was a sad thing to me. And then I saw some kids in high school that came to the end of themselves, you know, I don't want this anymore. And they turned around, and God blessed them. I went to college with a young man that was a drug pusher. He made a lot of money, owned his own home, motorcycles, cars. And one day, 
Holy Spirit got hold of his heart. He ran home to his father, knelt beside the tub, and said, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Gave it all up. And the first year he was saved, he memorized 1,000 verses of God's Word to cleanse his heart. He's a preacher today. Three churches he's got going. I see where some people are, they've ruined their lives. The prodigal. And I see where others are turned around and they're the blessed like Paul. Today, where are you? Are you a pretender? Are you a preeminent one? Are you a prodigal? You can have the blessings of God. No one is too far for the Lord to say, I'll come stand with you. But we have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. That's all God wants to hear. Let's bow our heads for a prayer this morning. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play a verse of invitation hymn, Brother Brandon, to lead us. Could I ask you this morning, is, is, are you pretending today? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? If you don't, would you come like I did when I was 14 and trust Christ as Savior? And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, uh, Pastor, I, there's some struggles in my life. Why don't you come give them to the Lord? Let the Lord step over and stand by you. Not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Today, let the Lord commend you as a husband. Let the Lord commend you as a wife, as a teenager. Father, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for making the way to heaven possible. And Lord Jesus, simply that we humble ourselves like the Philippian jailer and ask your forgiveness, and you'll forgive us. Lord, speak to heart this morning. Don't let one person leave today without having their heart stirred. In your precious name we pray. Amen.